Texas Tech basketball is preparing for the 18-round fight that is the Big 12 schedule, but they are going to be starting in Ames without Terrence Shannon Jr. and Malik Wilson. We'll look at how that impacts the Red Raiders and detail what Tech needs to do to start conference playoff right in today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm Ryan Mainville, and I cover... Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. I'm joined by Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst and writer. Today, we're going to be talking about what the Big 12 is looking like right now. We're going to be looking at Iowa State's unexpected just rise to the top of the Big 12 and also be discussing the key injuries of Terrence Shannon Jr. and Malik Wilson. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premier soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more, visit Sonos.com to learn more. Emery, how are you doing today? Doing well. It's been nice to get back in the flow of things after the holidays, obviously. Hope everyone had a great New Year, New Year's Eve and New Year and get ready for 2022. But man, just hearing about TJ Shannon being out for the Iowa State game has me quite bummed. But regardless, such is life. And I think Tech will have to learn how to play without him and kind of get get going early on in Ames and sort of get things going in that game. But regardless, it's not good to have him out, but still looking forward to it. It's wild to think that we're we're here. I mean, whenever we saw Terrence Shannon Jr. go for that closeout at the start of the second half of that game and he he came out he came off the game like really funky off of it. Um and we we have not seen him since. And whenever we saw that happen, you and I were both talking. We were like, maybe he tweaked an ankle and then as we were recording there was a tweet from Mark Adams saying that it was a back spasm issue, which then we were like, that bodes well, like he should be back. But now he will clearly be out for the Iowa State game, as well as Malik Wilson, who's a little bit more expected due to the scope surgery that he had. I think he'll continue to be out for really a few weeks. But obviously, Mark Adams delivering the news about Shannon yesterday was a big bummer. He's listed as day to day, which doesn't really mean much in the college world that gets thrown around very loosely. Um, Mark Adams did say that he could be back for Baylor, but no guarantees. So that likely makes it sound like Shannon will be out against Kansas as well, which is a huge, huge loss. Um, and I just think this news was really unexpected, at least on the Shannon front. I mean, I did not expect to see him out at all. And uh, I'm a little bit concerned about this issue. I mean, this this sidelined him for a bit and really hindered him. We've seen in the past couple of seasons, but now it looks like he's going to be out for at least the first two games of an absolute gauntlet of a Big 12 schedule. Yeah, I mean, coming into it, when the injury first happened, I assumed it was just an ankle or something like that. And I didn't think he'd be out for that long. We heard it was back spasms. And even then, I mean it felt like he'd be ready to go for the Gonzaga game. And here we are almost three weeks later and he's still out. And by the looks of things, really, like it doesn't sound like an absolute certainty that he's going to be back by next week. So, I mean, to say it's unexpected would be a bit of an understatement because I thought for sure by now it'd be absolute, absolutely clear that he's back and ready to go and we could have him for Iowa State, have him for Kansas. But without him, Iowa State's going to be a difficult challenge, obviously, but for me, the Kansas game's even more important in terms of 
just how well they can do at rotating the ball around the perimeter. And Shannon's your best off-ball defender probably. So having him out is a pretty massive loss in that game. And if you can't have him even against Baylor as well, that's another team. The teams that have a lot of ball handlers, like the Baylors and the Kansases, are going to be teams where you need Shannon's length and ability to close out well. And for him to be out is very frustrating because it's happened with the back spasms that happened in his freshman year. And that was something where after he had that issue, I believe it was the turn of January to February, he basically never played more than 20 to 22 minutes again. So it's really concerning that this has been an issue that's flared up again and has made it to where he can't play in the conference opener and might not be able to play for a week or two. You touched on something really important that I want to circle back around to. You mentioned having him in the Kansas game was of big importance, and I want to kind of flip flip the script a little bit. I completely agree with you. I think you really need Shannon as a defender in that Kansas game, but I really think you need him as an offensive guy in this Iowa State game. I mean, we're going to break down the Cyclones in just a second, but really what Iowa State excels in is defense. Like, that's been their bread and butter this year. And to have arguably your best scorer on the team be out for this game is a big loss, and it's a big hit for Texas Tech. And I just I don't necessarily know what the Red Raiders are going to do just offensively and how they're going to scheme around this to compensate the loss of Shannon against a stout defensive team. We We saw them, you know, run a lot of Kevin McCuller pull-ups in that Gonzaga game. I still think that there's something promising with with Adonis Arms and just him kind of running all over the place and doing what he can. Kevin O'Banner continues to feel like a guy who just has not put it together, and we're, we're just waiting. We're sitting and waiting to see him have a big game. But I definitely think that offensively, you really would have liked to have Shannon in this game. And and if he's out in that Kansas game, which it sounds like he will be, that's going to be a big loss for you defensively because Baylor can score the ball pretty much better than anyone in the country. Yeah, certainly offensively as well, Shannon has a major impact. And I think for me, I was looking at the defensive side against Kansas and Baylor, but you're definitely right. Against Iowa State, the offense that you're going to lose if Shan- with Shannon out is going to be pretty tremendous because we've seen even against lesser teams tech has struggled at times to score when Shannon's not in the game and not able to create his own shot and against Gonzaga especially we really saw the struggles that tech had whether it be McCuller running pull-ups or Adonis Arms operating the half court Davion Warren had a rough game in that one as a ball handler so all of these guys have struggled to consistently create offense and Shannon had kind of been the consistent machine against Tennessee, he was basically the only source of offense. So to have him out against a team that's as good defensively as Iowa State is, that has as many good athletes as they do, it makes it makes things more challenging. And I think that you're going to have to really figure out how to get ball movement and baskets without him, whether that be getting more stuff set up in the paint for Bryson Williams or Daniel Bacho, or whether that means running more guys out on the perimeter running more of a pace and space approach, trying to get out in transition. There's a lot to figure out and not a lot of time to do it, unfortunately. Without looking, because I'm sure you have the same window open as I do, what do you think Iowa State is holding their opponents to on three-point attempts this year, percentage-wise? I'm going to say 30%. It's 25.3. That's the fourth best in the country. So, I mean, obviously Shannon isn't a 40-plus guy, but he's one of your more serviceable shooters. So that that's just another way that this is going to hurt you in that game. Yeah, Iowa State, I mean, they're 
I had not, I kind of underestimated how good their defense was on that one. Um, but certainly their perimeter defense in key games has been absolutely phenomenal this, this year. I mean, against Xavier, it was really good. Against Memphis, they basically held Memphis out of scoring for upwards of 10 minutes in that one to where the only buckets they were getting were in transition. And especially in the half court, their rotations are probably the best in the Big 12. It's between them or maybe like a Oklahoma State. But certainly for them to be able to have that level of perimeter defense and you don't have a TJ Shannon to really break things down in transition in the half court and be able to get to the rim effectively, it's going to make things very challenging for you to get much done offensively. Yeah. It's a tough game, especially when you consider that, that the 25% comes after Baylor made seven of their 17 threes um, on, on new year's day. So a tough matchup ahead for Texas tech. We are going to continue to break down the Iowa state cyclones and how the red Raiders can start conference playoff, right. Um, on our next segment, but first a word from our sponsors. Hey Red Raiders, this is Ryan with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Here we are, January 3rd, Texas Tech opening their Big 12 conference slate. And I would never have expected that we would be sitting here talking about entering Ames and playing a top 10 Iowa State team. I mean, Emory, before we get into anything else, how how mind-blowing has the performance of this team been to you this season? I think on our preview episode at the start of the basketball season, I literally made the one guarantee that Iowa State would finish last in the conference. Last season, they won two games the entire season. They did not win a single game in the 2021 calendar year until this season. So they basically lost every game from January 1st of last year all the way to March last year. And now... Up until Saturday, they did not lose. So they essentially ran the table on the rest of their 2021 schedule. So the start of this season. And it's not like they were playing scrubs, playing bad teams. They were beating teams like Iowa, Xavier, Memphis, Creighton. All of those teams have a pulse. They're good teams. And so to be able to have that level of success in the first year of a new head coach, I mean, you look at how they've been able to do it, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, TJ... Oslo really wasn't the 
biggest home run hire. He wasn't someone that had been really highly touted. A lot of people thought it was a mediocre hire from them, from UNLV. But, I mean, you can't argue with success so far, and their defense has been incredible. Offense has been really kind of bizarre to look at. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I never would have thought Iowa State would be one of the ranked Big 12 teams. I certainly would not have thought that they were going to be the second to last undefeated team in the conference and one of the last five unbeaten teams in the nation. I ruthlessly dunked on them all offseason, and I'm convinced that this is just to spite me and that the Iowa State locker room just had printed out pictures of my tweets all over all over their room, and now they're just going out and dominating every night to try and prove me wrong. I mean, you mentioned the one loss. That was a 72-77 to 77 fight against Baylor. They, they played really well in that game, um, and they looked like a contender. Like, like, bottom line, that's what they did. They looked like a team that will be at the top of the Big 12 for the remainder of the season, and a lot of that does have to do with, with their defense. I mean, they're outside of the top 35 in both Kim Palm and T-Rank, but you go and you look at their defensive Kim Palm, and they are seventh in the nation. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the three-point defense that I mentioned earlier. They're really, really good on the perimeter. But, I mean, you go and you look at their offense, and they're 128th. So a very, very big drop-off. A lot of teams that are competitive in, in this, this, this sport as a whole, let alone this conference, are find a better way to balance both. And so there will likely be a game or two that Iowa State um, has this season where their defense kind of falls off a bit and they can't get enough going offensively and they and they lose a couple games. But we have not really seen that come to fruition yet. This team has looked very, very good, and it, it just looks crazy to to be talking about this team with such respect. I mean, like you mentioned, 0-18 in conference play last year, and I genuinely thought that they were going to find a way to be worse this year. So just an incredible rise Texas Tech has not opened conference play in Ames since 2016, where they just completely fell apart late against an experienced Cyclones team. And they've only lost once to Iowa State in Ames since then. Um, we we all remember the last two meetings where Tech won by like 40. The Red Raiders have just had a really good read on this team um, since since like the past couple of years. But this this feels like a different team, man. It really does, and I think that being on the road for this one is tough. The Hilton looked really, really good on um, the first, and I think that a road environment like this for Tech is going to be difficult. They haven't really walked into something like this all season, and I think it might just be another factor to contend with against a really good team. Yeah, let's be real here. The Hilton Magic did not exist in the last couple of years under Steve Braun. If anything, I think the Magic went to the other teams and let them shoot threes more efficiently. But, I mean, this Iowa State team at their peak, you give the defense that they had and the fact that at times they've been electric offensively. I mean, they have games this year shooting over 50% from three. They've looked like a really elite shooting teams at, team at times. And then they've also had games where they've just outright fallen apart. I mean, Baylor, for instance, offensively, they had a lot of success getting to the rim, really efficient ball handling. I really liked how Tyrese Hunter, Hunter played in that game. But as a whole, like their ability to find open lanes and create space for themselves and get good shots in the lane has been impressive this season. But it's the outside shooting that I think is going to be really the make or break for them this season. I mean, so far this season, I would say that defensively, they're obviously really good on the perimeter. We mentioned that in the first segment, but their ability to 
closed out effectively, not missed rotations, has resulted in a lot of really bad shooting nights for opposing teams. I mean, against I or against Memphis and Xavier, Xavier went three of twenty-one. Memphis went six of seventeen, and that doesn't tell tell the whole story in the half court. It was significantly worse. So for for Iowa State's purpose, their defense is pretty much set. It's the offense that really is going to dictate things. I mean, they've had games this year where they've shot one of 14 from deep and one of 20 from deep. If that happens against conference teams consistently, they're not going to win many games. But really, you take out those outliers, and they've looked exceptional on both ends. And it's going to come down to how consistent can they be offensively because they've been very boom or bust. And in non-conference, they found ways to win. In conference, they probably still will find ways to win because their defense is that good, but it's going to be more challenging. A couple of names that really intrigue me on the offensive end, obviously Isaiah Brockington, um, just a phenomenal player, is doing a lot for this team, shoots the ball really well from deep and, and just finds a way to get the ball in the basket. Tyrese Hunter, you mentioned him, really good ball handler. Um, shooting is non-existent this season, but... He's been really, really trustworthy as a playmaker. And then Caleb Grill is actually a really interesting player to me. He's a really good shooter, followed TJ from UNLV. And I think he's one of those guys that kind of has to step up for the Cyclones if they want to continue to find success. But that's the Iowa State side of the ball. In this game, you'll obviously be without your star and without a big player in Malik Wilson, who on the Red Raider sideline needs to step up for Texas Tech to be in contention for a victory. Where's Sonomi? If he comes out and can match the production no. that he had against Alabama State, the best offensive game of his career, one of the best defensive players that we have seen, he could be an outstanding player. But no, seriously. I mean, I do think that is going to need to step up offensively to find a role, but I'll go with a more conventional answer. I'll say if Kevin O'Banner has a really nice shooting game and can find open shots, it's going to go a long way to opening up the offense for Tech and really overcoming what you're going to lose without two of your best ball handlers and and their ability to create in the half court. Man, I I want you to be right so bad about about Clarence Sindolny, but I I, I just, I I can't do it, man. I can't do it. I I think for Texas Tech, it's actually got to be Kevin O'Banner. Just with what Iowa State is able to do on the perimeter defensively, you've got to be able to make shots in this game. And O'Banner has just, gone quiet far too often in games this season. Texas Tech really, really needs him to be able to make shots in this game. And then Davion Warren, again, you're losing a little bit of that creation and playmaking off the dribble that you'd get from Terrence Shannon. So I think you need to see a little bit of that from Warren. But Iowa State, man, it's it's going to be a gauntlet. Definitely not as much of a cupcake as we initially thought, but just goes to prove that this conference is never containing any easy wins coming up next we're going to take a look around the rest of the big 12 and how the red raiders may fare over the course of the season this is it the putt to win the tournament if you sink it the championship is yours but on your backswing your hat falls over your eyes is this how you're running your business you have poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software to see the full picture you need to upgrade to netsuite by oracle NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. NetSuite can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 
93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and for the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com locked. Head to netsuite.com locked for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com locked. All right, Iowa State proving to be one of the kind of steel bullets that will be at the top of this Big 12 conference for the remainder of the year. But other than Iowa State, anyone that is surprised you either in a good or a bad way this season? Well, I'll say probably one of the biggest surprises across the entire conference is that Micah Peavy has started shooting threes and actually hoisting them up at a decent margin. So when I had this question that I've been pondering the last couple of weeks, what really surprised me in the Big 12 this season. A lot of the teams are around the same mark that we predicted coming into the season. You have Baylor and Kansas fighting it out at the top. You've got Texas, who has potential. There's kind of been a little bit of a train wreck at points. You have the mid-tier teams, Oklahoma, Tech. You have Oklahoma State has been maybe worse than expected. Then, obviously, West Virginia is kind of doing their own thing, been under the radar. But, man, Mike Peavy shooting threes, never would have guessed it after last year. So that's the one player thing that's really – been been kind of a bit of a surprise for me but beyond that I'll just say Oklahoma State has really been sort of a negative surprise I thought they would be right up there at the top end in terms of the mid-pack teams like fighting out with Oklahoma and Tech but so far they've been in a lot of needlessly close games I mean games against teams like Cleveland State Oakland obviously you had Oral Roberts which they were, which they were able to pull out but it wasn't a comfortable win and you just wonder, Mike Boyne has so much talent on that team, and they've looked so good even without Cade last year. And, I mean, they just haven't been able to put it together this year. So, for me, that's probably the surprise of the year as far as teams go. And then, obviously, I mean, you can't go without mentioning Micah Peavy shooting threes. I just had to put that out there because it really shocks me. We're going to go in kind of opposite directions here, and I'm going to mention a guy who has been shooting threes really, really poorly this year, who I thought was going to be an integral part of their team's success. Do you have any guesses? Hmm. Let me think. Well, Kevin O'Banner could be one on it's, Tech's side. It's Jalen it? Wilson, man. He's 2 of 22 really? from deep this year. 2 Beautiful. of 22. Damn. He's shooting 9% from 3 this year, which is among the worst in the nation of guys who have taken 20 or more threes. He is really, really struggling. And I was very high on Kansas this offseason, and he was really a big reason why. I, I really love the way that he played. Um, I think that he's a gadgety guy that could fit in on a, on a Texas Tech-style team. He plays really good defense, can play a number of different positions. So he's a guy that has just surprised me just because of his drop-off. I mean, it's absurd. He's struggling from the free-throw line, too. He has just not looked good. And then Kansas State, man, I think we both projected them as a tournament team in the offseason, but they've looked pretty good early. Had a two-point loss to Oklahoma on New Year's Day. Obviously had that one-point loss to Marquette earlier in the season, but I feel like they're really close to being really good. The Longhorns will be in the Little Apple to play the Wildcats on uh, Tuesday, so really be sure to watch that game. I, I think it could be interesting. Um, I'm I'm really I'm really intrigued to see what could happen there. But Jalen Wilson, man, I, I I can't believe that he has struggled that much from deep. I think that that's a big big factor in how Kansas plays this season. 
Yeah, I would have, I could have sworn he was shooting a little bit better than that. I mean, I've heard about his struggles at times, but two of 22 is ridiculous. I mean, we talked about Tyrese Hunter earlier, and his shooting has definitely not been necessarily as good as I think people expected. And even he's up at around 17%, and he's taken more, he's taken, I believe, 48 this season, something like that. And he was going to be one that I would have guessed in terms of negative shooting if it was no banner. And as well as that, Mike Miles for TCU has maybe been a little bit worse than expected just in terms of efficiency, still putting up points. But yeah, I mean, on Kansas State's front, I actually think for me, the biggest thing that they've shown is just they have not been particularly good in close games this year. They've been in just about every game they've played. Obviously, you had Nigel Pack, I believe, had some sort of injury issue midway through their non conference slate, but still. I can't help but think that they're not utilizing him correctly. And I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this. But I feel like I've pegged Nigel Pack as maybe one of the dark horses for conference player of the year, someone that could take a huge step from last year. And the efficiency there, man. I mean, he's shooting almost 43% from deep. His offensive numbers look absurd. And his efficiency numbers, they're a lot better when he's on the court than when he's not. But yet it just seems like everything's not quite clicking for that team. Yeah, I don't know, man, because we were both really high on Pack last year. We kind of talked about him as we were previewing Kansas State as a guy that Texas Tech needed to account for. But I think it's probably defensively. Um, he he's just undersized. Like it's it's just hard to play guys that are six foot flat in the Big Twelve. And, and I mean, he's a short guy. You you can see it whenever you're watching Kansas State on film. But I think that that's probably the reasoning behind that. Um, Kansas, the team in the same state, is going to be starting Mitch Lightfoot over David McCormick in Stillwater. So a lot of very strange things happening with the two basketball teams in Kansas right now. But, I mean, we we broke down Iowa State. Obviously, they're, they're a matchup that I think a lot of people are realizing will be more difficult than initially expected. Is there anybody else that you're looking at right now? You've gotten to see about a dozen of games and you're thinking, all right, this will either be an easier game for Texas Tech than I expected or a more difficult game than I expected. I'll go one on each end. I'll say easier than expected. I'll take a stab at West Virginia. I think that their, their defense, it looks good on the pure numbers, but A, they haven't faced a strong schedule at all this season. I mean, their their scheduling has been somewhat hurt by the fact that for one Pittsburgh has just taken a massive step back over the last couple of years. But I mean, they haven't really faced any notoriously difficult opponents and their defense, they don't have the twin towers anymore in terms of Shibwe and Culver. And that was really kind of what, what was intriguing about them in years past. Their physic physicality on the inside isn't quite there. Their three-point defense is pretty good still, but offensively, they can struggle to create their own shot, some of what we saw last year as well. And I just don't think they're going to be factoring in as much into the mid-tier of the Big 12. For a team that's going to be more difficult, aside from obviously Iowa State, ironically enough, I'm going to go with Baylor. I think that they've looked like an absolute machine early on this year. I mean, the game against Villanova was quite possibly the most impressive beatdown I've seen in a long time in college basketball because Baylor themselves did not score the ball well at all in that game. And yet it felt like it was out of hand basically the entire second half because Villanova could not get anything going in the half court. And this is Jay Wright you're talking about. This is one of the best college basketball coaches of the last two decades. And he was held completely in check with a roster that's very talented and can shoot the ball lights out. So for me, 
I mean, Baylor's one of the best teams in the nation. I think so far they have a claim to be the best team so far. And their their ability to play defense as well as they did last year and then offensively, I mean, you're still kind of finding some more ball, ball handling pieces. It's not quite as subtle as it was with the trio of guards last year, but they're going to be difficult to beat no matter where you're facing them and no matter when you're facing them. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off of that and say Baylor as well. That was my pick. I mean, they, they've looked like the best team in the nation to me. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I think that they've looked really, really good. We were mentioning earlier how kind of these teams that really excel throughout the course of the season are the teams that are really balanced on offense and defense. And Baylor is the only team in the country that is top five in both offense and defense in Kempom. They're fifth in offense and fourth in defense. The only other team that's even top 10 in both is Houston, who's eighth in both offense and defense. So Baylor is really, really good on both ends of the floor. I think they've got a lot of really good things going for them offensively. Um, and then, like you mentioned, that Villanova game, they they just put they just put that team on clamps and it, it was crazy. I don't remember the last time I watched a college basketball game where a team was just struggling to score the ball that badly um, for a game that might be easier. West Virginia is a good pick. Um, they have not looked good this season. They had a player enter the portal today. I forgot who it was, but I saw Borzello's tweet about that. So they're only getting weaker. And then Sheboy, man, he, he's doing crazy things at Kentucky right now. Um, Oklahoma State would be a good pick. They have not looked good, but I was kind of low on them as well. Um, I'm actually going to say, I'm going to say TCU. Um, I, I still just, I still don't really? buy it. Yeah. I still don't buy it. I was going to go the opposite way. I was going to say they were probably the second team in line for more difficult to play because I think they're, so far this season, I've been impressed with their perimeter defense compared to what they had last year. I think bringing in Damian Ball, especially from Memphis, was a huge addition that's been really overlooked. And, I mean, you watch them on tape. I feel like their defense especially has been a marked improvement from what we've seen the last couple of years. And, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm buying it. I didn't really buy it in the preseason. I think I had them eighth or ninth, but I still think they'll be probably like eighth. But it's going to be a much tighter game than what I expected. I really, really like Mike Miles. I think that's where I'll hang my hat. I think he's a really good player, but I think one of the best strengths of this TCU team has been on the glass. They're actually the best offensive rebounding team in the country this far, and I think that Texas Tech can really eliminate some of that with what they can do on the glass. So I think that that could really help play into Texas Tech's favor, but limit Mike Miles and keep the Horn Frogs off the glass. And I think you've got a better shot than you initially expected. Don't let noted three point sniper Mike TV go off against you. Oh man, Maybe. that would be the, uh, that would be the return of the ages. Yeah. Well, alongside, alongside that, don't let Tyreek Smith suddenly start getting a lot of offense going against you with Oklahoma state. Those are two guys that I'm not really excited to play just because I have a feeling that at least one of the two will have, some sort of game against Tech that's going to be unexpected. But certainly, I mean, TCU is going to be an interesting matchup regardless. I'll also throw one more in the easier to play than expected. I think Texas is going to be marginally easier. And I think the the key there is that their inability to really set the rotation effectively, especially with the guards. I mean, Andrew Jones is shooting particularly well from three. Marcus Carr is... I mean, for one, there were rumors all throughout the last weekend that he was going to be transferring. So who knows what's going on there? And secondly, his usage rate and offensive production has really just plummeted compared to what we saw in Minnesota. 
So I just think until they figure out the offensive side of things and get things going there, it's going to be a little bit less dangerous than what was on paper coming into the season with all the new talent those transferring in. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I still feel like Texas can be really good. It's just a matter of them putting it all together. And to this point, we have not seen that. And they've got to prove it before they earn that respect as kind of one of these upper echelon teams. And on a closing note, Texas Tech should be very glad that they are not playing Florida Atlantic this year. So they do not have to go against the absolute gauntlet. That is Vladislav Golden. I believe that he has started every single game this season for FAU. So Texas Tech revenge games, man. I'm, I'm glad that they're not having to go against Big Vlad. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Locked on Texas Tech. We will be back tomorrow to give you a conclusive preview of the Iowa State game. We'll be breaking down individual names, rotations, certain things that Texas Tech can do to help alleviate the loss of Shannon. But in the meantime, keep up with us on our socials. You can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emery at Eraser41. And you can follow the official Locked on Texas Tech Twitter at Locked on TTU. Let us know what you like about the show. Let us know what you hate. Let us know what you want to see and let you let us know what you want to see less of. We will be glad and happy to hear it. Subscribe to our feeds wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us reach more people and it helps you get access to episodes faster. We are really, really glad to be back in a new year and cranking out content. So thank you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now be sure to make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks for joining us and we will see you tomorrow.